0: This episode of The Dylan Sawyer Show is sponsored by Sellerboard. Sellerboard is the accurate profit analytics tool for Amazon sellers that helps you calculate your profit precisely, accounting for all hidden fees in real time. You can monitor your sales, refunds, profits, and other financial KPIs to make better informed decisions. Pricing starts at only $15 a month, and with my code in the description, you can get your first two months for free. And there's more. Sellerboard will help you collect more reviews, manage your inventory, get informed about listing changes, uh, optimize your PPC campaigns, and a lot more. Try Sellerboard today. Link in the description. It is the accurate profit analytics software. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of The Dylan Sawyer Show. Today, we have our first reoccurring guest. Welcome back, Nick. Hey, thanks, Dylan. Appreciate uh, you having me back on the pod. Yeah, for sure, man. So we're going to talk about the main thing we're going to be focused on today is your big win as of yesterday. So let the people know what happened.
1: Yeah. So uh, over the last five weeks, I've been under these uh, Section 3 reviews, which you know, you've know you seen all over the timelines and Twitter and going through. So um, finally got through that process and uh, happy to report last night, I got my first disbursement. So hit that moment
0: of, oh man, I can't buy. And now it's like, all right, am I going to get ready to buy <laughs> Which is awesome, man. So they held your payments for a full five weeks. hmm Yeah. That's yeah. wild. That would screw over a lot of people I know. Like you know like was, a lot of people are very, very leveraged. And if, if Amazon's not paying for five, six weeks, however long it is, that can really, really throw a wrench in your business. Like that can be game over if you're super leveraged on credit cards. So talk us through about how you're kind of looking at Amazon differently now. So from like a risk management point of view, are you still going to be going deep on credit cards stuff like that, or tell me how your mind's changed on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is as you know, unfun as that is, right? It's also put some very valuable lessons of being a business owner. So thinking through, you know, what does your cash flow look like? Uh, do you have a rainy day fund that's in there? I know Chris Potter's talked in, in various forums around you know having ten percent of. On cash on hand and, and looking at that as, at your business level, I, that those are the types of things like going through five weeks and having a lot of those credit cards coming through. I was fortunate to have some capital set uh, set aside for yeah. wasn't anticipating this to occur, but to have those different uh, safe gaps that are in there just to just in case it ever occurred. So I, I think that's that's the i would say the second biggest thing right is making sure that you have enough of a rainy day fund and then the the largest one that i, I kind of took away from that is just prioritizing account health and you know having having a service or having having a way to be able to have access to being able to you know have advice on how to approach these things
0: yeah that was definitely one of my questions i'll just go ahead and read out the whole thing so was, did you have a law firm or agency hired before you went through this if you didn't now that it's over would you recommend getting one
1: Yeah, I do. I do have Seller basics now. Um, I didn't, I didn't at the time. So I did ask a lot folks in the community, like, Hey, who are you using what best ones to get some referrals for that? And I think that that was super, super important, right? Moving forward, I will always have some sort of representation on retainer because, you know, we we are playing on Amazon's platform, right? So just having that peace of mind, um, is, is super critical. And I, I think that's the number one takeaway that I got through going through this experience is just making sure that you have that retainer available. So that way,
0: if and when, I almost want to say when something occurs, you know, you're, you're perfect. It always will. Like there's going to be some, whether it's section three or what I went through a bunch, CSM brand reviews, where if you have a couple authenticity complaints sitting on your account, you don't appeal those, they're going to try and shut down your whole brand. You have to provide invoices for everything you got authenticity complaints on. And if you cannot provide good invoices for those, you will not be able to sell that brand again. And I know people who have good invoices and they still aren't able to sell the brand. Like sometimes Amazon is just really strict about stuff like that. So for section three, you didn't have to submit it for specific ASINs. You had to sit submit it for entire brands. Is that correct? I had to do three different iterations. So
1: the first one was for uh, mislabeled. I didn't have any generic products in my catalog. I did go through as soon as that came through and, and validated that there weren't any that were there. Um, It was a a mislabeled brand uh, for dial soap was the original one so provided the invoices for that that came back and the response was around hey now we're we're going to go ahead
0: and um, go after a specific uh, beauty product and that was this started five weeks ago with the dial soap how long did it take you to reply for the dial soap and how long did it take for them to reply back to your response. I saw a lot of the notifications for
1: section three on Twitter so I, I was pretty quick with it. like I would say under 12 hours I had um, the dial soap you know all of the documentation that they provide. and there's been a, a bunch of different um, forms of how to do it on on Twitter that kind of went through it. So um,
0: I went through submitted the information and, and within under 12 hours I had it back to them. And then after you submitted it to them, how long did it take for them to reply and either deny it or accept it? It was about a week for the first one. And the first one was just a reply
1: saying, hey, we're now, we're pivoting into a beauty brand. And as part of the beauty brand uh, appeal, we're going to have a specific ASIN on a beauty brand. um, We're going to do the virtual interview. So that that process was was the second piece that I had to complete.
0: Interesting. So as soon as they saw your dial invoices, they just pivoted to beauty. Did they really even mention that once you...
1: No, that's, and I was like, that's... With the section three pieces, uh, it it seems like it's they they utilize one, and this is my own personal opinion of it based on my experience. I think everyone's kind of had a a, a, a slightly different uh, uh, perspective of their, the processes they've gone through. But for me specifically, it was the dial uh, ASIN, and then it was completely switching over to a a whole new category, but it was specific to just one ASIN on that.
0: Interesting. So once you get that. ASIN submitted for. So you submit your documentation for that beauty. And then what happens after that? Or, or you do the virtual interview, that's what's next. So how long did it take them to schedule that? And what what did that look like?
1: Yep. So what you do is you'll go through and you submit, they ask you for all the same information again. So I went through and submitted all the business documentation, all the relevant uh, documentation for the specific ASIN for that beauty brand. And then the, you. Um, they provide you a link. Um, it took a, it took a few days. They provide a link uh, to where you can schedule your interview. You get three slots that you choose from, and then they choose which one is the most convenient um, for the individual or individuals that will be conducting the interview. So I had three different time slot. They chose the most inconvenient one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, we made what, it work. What time was that at? Uh, it was uh, it was a slot where I needed to rearrange my calendar
0: for some different things. So okay, and um, but I've, I've yeah. heard of some being at like one in the morning, like really nah, late. They were
1: they were they were during um, regular business hours in, okay. in the East Coast, so we were able. I was able to pick a slot that at least worked for that. But there was like three different ones. I was like, okay, these three are, are the first two were good, and the next one was like a full week at, later than it. So it did take a long out. Uh, to get it scheduled and to to have the interview is probably like another another week to 10 days roughly um, from that point before I had the virtual interview.
0: So in the interview, did they just make you supply documentation for that ASIN or did they want to see your business documents as well, like your LLC info and all of that? Is that what they wanted? Yeah. So what
1: you have to do for a virtual interview... Um, there's, they're, they're very explicit. So as long as you come prepared, at least that's the way I anticipated it, you should be mm-hmm. in pretty good shape with that. So you have to have physical copies as well as the digital copies of what is, uh, in the email that you received from them. So for me, that was all the business artifacts. Um, it was the supply chain artifacts for the particular ACE and, and the beauty brand. Um, and then your actual identity. So I had to, you know, physically put up, um, my license to the camera and then you—it it feels very much like um, I don't know if disposition is the right word, but it, it's very much—it's as they go through it, they—you have to be very explicit in your words, yeah. um, and you know, answer the questions that they ask. They will—they will ask the questions, the same type of question, but differently. So they'll ask ask you a question, and then I don't—I don't—I think it's more just to con- continue to get additional information from you on on the items. So you just have to be very. Uh, patient with the process. It was a full hour interview with screen shares kind of going through each step, each
0: step of the way. You know. So you were on the phone for a full hour on this interview. Yeah.
1: yeah mine was, mine was a full hour. So I had to go through, That's um, email messages, um, supply chain, validation is supply
0: chain. Um, what did that look like? Did you just submit your invoice or did you have to get your supplier's invoice as well? I did, and I did have to go through and and speak with the supplier for
1: confidentiality and some some items with that to make sure that I had all the necessary documents to be prepared for the virtual interview. And as part of that virtual interview, we did uh, reference some of the the artifacts that were required to show the show the full supply chain.
0: That's very interesting. It's it's very surprising me how long that took. So I had a virtual interview back in twenty twenty one. It was later on in the year. So I started my account that year in February, March. Most people, when they sign up for Amazon, they have to do an interview where they show their documentation and all that. We never really had to do that. Not really sure why, but we never had to do that from the start. And then October rolls around to that year and then we just get an email like, if you don't submit it by this day, you're getting deactivated. And we go to schedule the call and we start to panic a little bit because the closest schedule you can have is past the day where they say that we're going to be deactivated. So we just scheduled it and started praying. And by the time we got on the interview, it was the most easy, fast thing ever. Like the guy, I swear we were off of it in five to six minutes. uh, Just show. Well, my dad had to show all this info because it's under his account. And he just had to show ID and then like a couple corporate documents. And we were out of there in under five minutes. So it's kind of wild to hear how much longer it took you for this time around. And all the additional information you have to apply with the supply chain and all that. So you made it through the interview. What what happens after the interview? That's the suspenseful part, right? You don't hear yeah. anything for a while. So, um, so did was... you not even get a confirmation that it was like done or something like it, just nothing after the interview? So after the interview, they re- did
1: have some requests for additional information, which I provided within probably an hour to two hours after. Um, so, and then you, and then after that, you'd really don't hear anything. So, um, it was about another full, um, now I have to remember the timeline, but so we'll say like another five to seven days, roughly it was, it was, it was multiple days, um, after the virtual interview before I received a response. And then at that point in time, I received the notification, um, in my performance notifications that said, Hey, not enough information. And then that's where they pivoted on to the brand reviews. So they went and they requested for 180 days worth of invoices for five different brands.
0: So they wanted every ASIN you had within 180. That's crazy yep. to me. Like that's brand new. That they never used to do that for CSM brand reviews. They only do it on the ones that are that you have authenticity complaints for. So seeing an entire review for a brand is very, very new. I haven't personally seen that before. And it's kind of scary because I mean, if you do a lot of volume, I know you do a lot of volume in some of those brands, then you have to find a hundred ASINs. Like you have to look at everything you've bought. Like it makes it very, very difficult to get all that information together. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how many like orders and stuff do you have to put together? I'm getting um, hundreds of pages of... It was, it was a 260 megabyte archive.
1: So, all right. So this will probably be beneficial for for the viewers, right? Because I had to figure this out, right? Because when when Um, they... Shrinking the file size? Yeah, so I used uh, smallpdf.com. So the way that it worked the most effectively is you use the merge capability and then you compress. So if you do it in that sequence, that's going to be the best way. Now, what took me a couple tries to figure out is you need to... So emails, there's there's a finite amount of size that you can put into an email. It's it's roughly 20 megabytes so you have to cut up your invoices so that way they stay under 20 megabytes otherwise it gets kicked back from an email
0: provider so we had that half for uh we were trying to submit a financial review for amex and we could not figure out how to get my tax documents submitted like it's just kept giving us error messages <laughs> but continue sorry
1: yeah i was gonna say that that's that's the best way like I, I first started with adobe and i was like okay let me see if i can do this with adobe and then I, they had a seven a seven day free trial where you up, upgrade to the premium I guess technically it would have worked, but it wasn't very user friendly. So for me, I mean, there's probably other ones that do it, but the one that worked best was small PDF. You just, you take all of your invoices, you put them in a, in the respective folders um, and then, you know, merge them, compress it and make sure it's under 20 megs. And that's basically what I did. And then I just used, uh, so I like to use a lot of the different uh, AI capabilities just to make it easier. So I wrote up a prompt in chat GPT just to say, hey, this is how I want to structure it make sure it's, it's professional going over. And then I just wrote them in with a subject line of one of, and then just continued with it so they could follow the flow. Um, and then that way it was, you know, very explicit that said, hey, these are the types of items because the seller performance team is not going to look at um, a zip archive, which if you send an email that's over the 20, um, you know, if you're using Google as your provider, it's gonna it's going to attempt to create it as a Google Drive. And those then generate links, which this, this particular seller performance team may be instructed. I'm not really 100% sure to not click on links. So if you're in that position, I, I definitely recommend that you know you, you utilize multiple emails, but make it as clear as possible so they can follow the chain of you know one through however many emails it takes to, uh, to get the submissions over.
0: So one thing I wanted to ask you about, so did you, contact any Amazon representatives to like a third party, like Twitter or something like that. I see a lot of people trying to escalate their cases through the Amazon seller support Twitter account. And I've also seen people reaching out to random people on LinkedIn that work in the account health range. So I was wondering if you did any of those. I did the exact, what you
1: just mentioned there. So I did yeah. send DMs over to, on the, over the Twitter teams to try to escalate it from the internal side. Um, what was the most effective in the beginning is I did send, I, I don't know the exact amount, but it was it was, it was a, a lot of uh, DMs via LinkedIn. So just uh, a yeah, pro tip true. on that: if you're not friends with the particular person, you can add a add a note on the connect. So if you try to if you do a connect with a specific person on LinkedIn, you can add a note, and you have a really explicit amount of uh, space that you can use. So I just try to keep it really succinct. Um, you know, quick question and then exactly what I was looking for. And I sent it out to a ton of people within Amazon just kind of querying against like, hey, what would be the different ones? Account health and sales reps and directors. So I was able to- You tried
0: all of that? You tried like sales reps and all that too? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I just used the different features with it just so that way I could get different types of personas. And then same thing, used a, a, a prompt and just filled it in, adjusted for the name and what their function was. So it was a little bit more personalized. And I did actually get one, uh, response from uh, from a director, and she was able to connect me with my account team for that. So that at least helped a little bit. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I didn't get a whole lot back from my account team specific to the Section 3 uh, pieces, but it was, it was more just to kind of know that, hey, if I needed something or I needed to escalate it, there was at least one person through LinkedIn that I was able to reach out to.
0: That's interesting. That's very good to know for anyone else going through issues. I know someone who was dealing with a drop shipping complaint and reaching out to people on LinkedIn worked very well for them as well. Yeah. So I also, one, I
1: also used Jeff at Amazon too. I forgot about that. So that was the that was the other one I sent an email there. I didn't get a response to it, but I do know that that's a uh, that's gonna at least an escalation channel that we can you can utilize if you really need to.
0: For sure. Did you have any authenticity or IP complaints on your dashboard before you received the section three?
1: Um, I don't think so. I, I did receive some as they were going through. So what what I noticed was as soon as I got the section three, then I also got IPs for the same brands at the same time, like really? within a within a couple of days of each other. Yeah. So i oh, I had one put up I had one put up against each of them, and then after the virtual interview was was concluded the IPs resolved themselves because it was an IP for that specific ASIN in the beauty brand. So I started oh. feeling like optimistic. I was like, oh, great. Okay, IPs are rolling off. Maybe I'm going to get a notification. That wasn't how it worked out, but I could at least tell that they were doing some sort of work because the IPs that were associated it started to roll off um, and kind of go from there.
0: Okay, so I didn't know that that you got IPs for those after and it, it kind of makes sense. The only IP I've ever gotten is a suspected IP complaint It was for a brand that was slightly mislabeled. I'll just say it was Reese's. And it was slight... I don't know what was wrong with it. I got it like nine months after I sold out. So this is another good reason why you should be deleting your SKUs after you're sold out and don't plan on replenishing. That's something I'm taking a lot more seriously nowadays, especially with all the Section 3 stuff going on. Just removing anything I don't plan on selling again. Um, One thing to note, though is if you remove something and let's say it gets returned or something like that, it'll go straight to Stranded. So if you don't want a bunch of stuff in Stranded, you need to make sure to leave up some of those SKUs that you sold recently. But other than that, it's definitely smart to be deleting those listings once you're done. You don't want anything to be on your account for pretty much no reason. Once you're sold out, you shouldn't have any compliance issues or anything like that. So all those ASINs that you received, section three, four, those are all ASINs that were active on your account, correct? Yeah, they were
1: active. I think if I, the only one that I, in hindsight, I probably, if from the very beginning, it probably kicked it off was the original dial. So that, that was an active product at the time. So there wasn't really much that I could do there. Um, But definitely a takeaway, like I'm going to be much more conservative in the types of listings that I have on there um, just to make sure that, you know, the account's healthy from here on out.
0: For sure. One thing I wanted to dive a little bit deeper on is you talking to your supplier about getting your supplier's invoice. So, how did you approach them to do that? Because I see a lot of people who are very like afraid to do that. They don't want to burn the relationship or anything. So, did that burn your relationship with that supplier, or are you able still able to place orders with them and work with them? No, still still able to work with them. I think that
1: it's just being transparent about it. But it, I mean, anytime you're just know, like, hey, if you're gonna you're willing to go into a confidentiality or, a, or one of those types of agreement, just know what you're signing up for. For me yeah. specifically, you know, it, it made sense, right? It's the account health. I wanted to make sure that I was able to do it. And I was fortunate enough that the supplier was willing, was willing to do that. And I, I think that's actually going to be like another takeaway, right? Looking to get more into wholesale next year. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's if I, will be one of the things to as I'm vetting suppliers is. To have those conversations up front is that something that they're willing willing to do? And if you lose an account or a few accounts as a result of that, in my mind, like that's that's okay. I'd rather have the peace of mind and knowing, hey, if I'm going to need to represent myself from uh, represent the business from an account health perspective, I know I have someone that is a supplier that you know is legit, is willing to work work with us to to go through it. And it's it's just a sound business model moving Definitely. forward. So. That's definitely a a takeaway. I didn't talk about it as a key one before, but just as we're talking and reflecting on it, it makes a lot
0: of sense to have those conversations. 100% agree with that. And that's something I haven't done before personally, but I definitely want to reach out to some of these distributors. Actually, one distributor told me that they would, but it's one that works very closely with brands and stuff. So it kind of makes sense that they'd be willing to do that. But I definitely am going to spark up that conversation with some of my other distributors in case it ever comes down to that, because... If they don't want to help you out with that documentation, you're kind of screwed. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about seller basics. So did they help you out in the appeals in any way or did you sign them up after you were successfully done with? I I signed up after I was the initial
1: start of it. I didn't have, you know, a 72-hour notice or a suspension on my account. Um, I was still able to sell. I just wasn't able to disperse.
0: Were you able Uh, to list and do new shipments?
1: I could do I could do uh, new FBM items. Technically, I, I learned after the fact that I, I was able to do FBA as well. But um, it when doesn't really know- make
0: sense to send stuff in? It it, it, it didn't because the uh,
1: this was part of the contingency planning that I was kind of doing behind the scenes in my head. Right, like if if something went south, do I really want to have a whole bunch of inventory checked into Amazon and you know have to deal with that? So I started yeah. started making sure to send everything. Um, home, make sure I had it all set up there. So I, I pivoted over to FBM for what I could withstand from a capital perspective.
0: How much is Seller uh, Basics a month? So I, I talked to them some at Amazon United. I also talked to Seller Candy. I think that's another one that provides a similar service. I watch Seller Basics presentation and they seem like they really know what they're doing. So how, how much do they charge monthly? I, I'm definitely going to be signing up for one of these services after this call. Yep. Yeah, it's
1: $99 a month. Uh, now, on top of that, what I started looking into is, is they do offer other services as well. So account health is one of them. You can also ask some uh, general legal questions uh, outside of Amazon. There's items around some, you know, structuring for your taxes. Uh, and then you can, you know, if you have any things with trademarks or things you want to do. So there are quick calls that you can set up um Set up sessions for as part of that ninety nine as well. So, oh, just wow. thinking as like as a business owner now that I have that service, I'm already in my head planning for for next year and some of the you know what direction I want to go with my business that way, and being able to utilize them for those types of questions as well will be will be
0: beneficial. For sure. So, since you've kind of concluded everything. What are your takeaways from like the OA and wholesale business model? Do you think that it's still a sustainable long-term model or are you looking to kind of switch into like private label, branded bundle, something slightly different? Or are you planning on just continuing what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to be looking into like the trademark aspects of things make, make a lot of sense to me. I think that's going to be an area where I'll, I'll spend some more time next year on. Um, I do like wholesale as the model and yeah. utilizing OA for opportunity time periods of the year, right? So I think I'll, I'll continue with that as my, my path going into next year from
0: there. For sure. Well, I, I, that's pretty much all the questions I had about Section 3. I mean, we, we ran through pretty much everything. Uh, really happy that you were able to get through everything. So recently, we've been ending the podcast on five questions. And as the first question, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Okay. What are the pros of having Seller ramp on the left side? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the reason, it's like reading, right? Left to right. Yeah. So
1: you okay. go through and do your analysis, uh, and then you move into okay. So should I buy it? Then mm-hmm. how much do I buy? Which is keep it in the middle, and then the right side you have all of your you have all makes, of ex-
0: Now that that makes a lot of sense. Start on the left. How much do I buy? Because that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I, I respect it. Let me let me pull up these other questions. One, what's what's your favorite movie? Ooh, favorite movie. I would go with The Natural.
1: So I'm a baseball guy. So that's one of the. Okay, I've watched that one. That's a that's an older one. That's an OG OG
0: baseball movie. So I, yeah. I would go with that. Uh, okay, I've I've seen like this this cover picture for this before. I'll I'll have to watch that. Uh, two. Do you play sports or did you play sports as a kid? And do you play any now? Yeah, so growing up,
1: I uh, played football early on, wrestled, and then I played baseball all the way up to and including in college. So baseball is my favorite sport. Um, I don't really play a whole lot anymore. Um, Do the occasional get the invite for, you know, the adult league, softball league, and, you know, show up for a couple of those events. But uh, that's probably. We'll probably hold off. The, the spikes are retired at this point in time.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's cool to see a lot of the Amazon people like playing basketball and d- doing stuff on the side that's kind of outside the business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? First entrepreneurial endeavor was,
1: so it's a combination of selling shoes back on eBay back in the day so I'm an OG eBay guy and uh, candy. So pretty similar to a lot of folks. Uh, yeah. you know, hustling, dude
0: candy over at the BJ's or whatever and trying to sell a little bit of that in, in school. For sure. that I've definitely done that. I've done the sneakers. It seems like a lot of people kind of get started in similar areas that <laughs> leads them to Amazon. Yep. Four, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, anywhere in the world where would it be? That's a
1: good question um I think so I've been to Spain and I've really liked it I liked Barcelona there I don't know if I live necessarily there full-time I do like to visit that wasn't your question um I don't know I'm kind of boring with this I like wherever my family is to be to be That's to be honest I could could adapt to pretty much anywhere as long as I have.
0: I have my family with me good answer five what is one item on your bucket list one item on my bucket list
1: i definitely want to go to every ballpark in the united states so baseball is always one. part of my life so at, that's definitely something i would love to do a tour and be able to hit every single one because then that also hits you know being able to travel so you have a destination it gives you Gives you the
0: roadmap and then you can hit all the other things. That you could doing. do a huge road trip with that. Like hit yeah. everyone in like a month or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Final question here. What's your favorite song or album? Favorite song or album. Well, right now
1: you got to go with what you're rolling yeah. with. The so, booty mix volume 23.
0: <laughs> 10 out of 10 response. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Well, Vic, I want to thank you for coming on again, man. Really enjoyed it. Glad you got through all the BS you were going through. And yeah, cheers to December. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate you having me on. Happy Q4.
1: Hope everybody's killing it this month and talk to you guys soon.
0: For sure. Thank you, bro.